Welcome to the podcast. My name's Annette. If you're a new listener, thank you for joining. And if you're a listener who's listened before, you'll have heard my voice, but this is my first week as a podcast guest, so I'm super excited. Our podcast is all about positive stories, and we highlight each week one of our winners or finalists from the 14 award programs that we run every year and have been doing since 2003. So we have got lots of amazing people that we have already listened to and and chatted to and lots more to come. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Let's get right into it. My guest today is an extraordinary young human. He's totally passionate and committed to making a difference in the lives of others. So much so that judges chose 15-year-old Peter Sasanto as a finalist in the 2021 Northern Territory Young Achiever Awards for the Somerville Community Service Award. And when you listen to his story, you won't believe he's only 15. After completing the Code Club program in 2016, Peter volunteered at Code Club to share his coding knowledge. He's a member of the NT Association for the Education of the Gifted and Talented, and he actively assists new members. He set up a free mini library with help from the Darwin City Council and mentored a team for the first Lego League competition. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, Peter, and welcome. Yeah, thank you for inviting me here, Miss Vossa. I have, uh, I feel like I've had a very nice uh, welcome so far. <laughs> well, you, you're an extraordinary young man and you, you've You've uh, fitted in a lot in your years. It was a year ago since you were a finalist mm. in the 2021 awards. What have you been doing since then? Uh, well, since then, I think the main thing that I have done is started uni, which has been very exciting. Uh, so when the awards were held, I think I was in year 12, approaching the end of year 12. Uh, so we did all of our exams, finished the VCE, and now... I, yeah, I'm in uni. I'm studying uh, the Bachelor of Clinical Sciences uh, slash medicine course with the Northern Territory Medical Program of CDU and Charles Darwin University and Flinders University. And I'm finding it uh, pretty exciting. We've been learning lots of things. I've got chemistry practicals, some pathology practicals as well. So that's good for my application. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. The uni life is really nice as well since I've gone to meet so many new people, both people who are here in Darwin, domestic students who are all my classmates, and also some international students as well. So I've gotten to broaden my horizons even though it's only been like three weeks or almost four weeks since I started. Yeah, that's amazing. So you're 15, first year of uni, studying medicine. Wow. (laughs) I I imagine that most of your other uh, student students are a little bit older than you. Yeah, they're all 18, basically. Some of them are a bit older if they started a bit later, and some of them are slightly younger, maybe like 17 and waiting for their birthday. But they're all like year 12 age, uh, or uni student age and above, while I'm still uh, 15, so that's about year 10 age. But I think apart from the fact that one day can drink, and two, that they can drive their cars and have the freedom of, of sort of driving wherever they want. There's not much difference between us. We're all good friends, and I think we all have the emotional maturity to treat each other as equals, which I found is really enjoyable and really nice. Oh, that's, that's good to hear. That is good to hear. Now, are you still volunteering with your sister 
I saw you were selling Indonesian snacks and donating profits to an orphanage. Yeah, so that's actually what the main thing that we were nominated、uh, for the awards for was the project that my sister and I have been doing、uh, independently, which is raising funds for different causes. Actually, so we started doing、uh, like selling our Indonesian food. In 2015, actually, I was only nine years old. <laughs> It's hard to believe. So the first three years,、uh, we just go every Sunday because our parents wanted us to learn like skills in terms of people service and how to speak to other people, and also just like how hard it is to really like run a business. They wanted us to see what that life is like. And then I remember the first. Time that we went, we only sold like watermelon juice that my mum and my dad made, and yeah, we we went to lots of people. Some people wouldn't, I think, more out of、uh, really sort of sympathy for us since we were really young. And so I went home and I was actually crying. Mind you, I was nine years old. <laughs> so yeah, I was crying. I was really sad because we hadn't achieved any of the goals I wanted to do. So I was feeling a bit disheartened, but we we kept at it. So my parents sort of encouraged us to keep doing it because they knew that really a startup phase for any business is always going to be the sort of hardest thing.、Uh, although of course I have to mention that、uh, what we're doing is not business. We're raising funds, of course, for the different、uh, sort of charities and causes, and they encouraged my sister and I. So we kept at it. We and I got to really see how I should change, maybe how we could change our recipes or how we talked, so that we could basically sell more and get people to be more invested, sort of, in what we're doing in our cause.、Uh, I learned a lot of public speaking skills, that's for sure,、uh, and I also learned a bit about social bravery because I myself am a bit of an introvert, I guess. I had to just go out there and talk to these random people who I'd never seen before on the foreshore. It was a bit scary, definitely at the start.、But、yeah, we got we got used to it in,、uh, afterwards.、Uh, we saw that people they like watermelon juice because it's hot in Darwin. Of course, it's always hot and steamy. It But, is. Yeah, people like our Indonesian food even more. Actually,、uh, so my grandma decided that she wanted to try. Some Indonesian food and get us to sell it as well. Yeah, people really like that. I think because we have such a multicultural community in Darwin, people really wanted to try out our food. And of course, we make it cheap as well because the aim is for my sister and I to learn and also to raise money for to help other people as well.、Mm, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, think, I, I love your I love your words of social bravery. <laughs> Yeah, I think I don't know. I don't really know how else to put it, but hopefully, hopefully <laughs> no, that that's good. can convey my message. Sounds、okay. like you have a very supportive family, Peter. Yeah, definitely. My mom, my dad, and my grandma, and my sister, of course. They've everyone's been really supportive, and we're I'm really lucky to have a family like that. I think, and grandma especially, she's the one who got us on this track of selling the Indonesian food, and she shared all of our recipes,、uh, even if, even though well, myself, I'm really I'm quite bad at cooking. She persevered so that I would know how to like pass on the family sort of legacy of food because, of course, food's a really important 
aspect of all cultures, really. Yes. So, so had, did your grandma teach you to cook some of the recipes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, because grandma at, at the start, I was, we were only like really young, so we didn't know how to cook any of the things that we're actually selling. But then once I turned like twelve, I think I asked grandma, "Oh, can you teach me?" And she agreed. And even through all of this hard work over a pretty long time, uh, now I know how to make the especially rice flour balls with. Pandan and some palm sugar and coconut called glepon in Indonesian. That's the thing I make every week. It's my responsibility uh, now. Yeah. What's the best? What's the best seller? Oh, it's those the glepon because people like them. They're little green balls. They're warm and they're oozing with all this palm sugar inside them. So they're a really nice mix of some creaminess, like with the coconut. So the pandan adds a nice deep flavor. And we also have the palm sugar. So awesome. So w- w- will you give us the recipe that we can put on the show notes? <gasps> that, or, I think, or is it secret? It's a secret because a magician <laughs> never shows their tricks, I think. And I probably have to ask Grandma for permission anyway. But she's... Yeah, she really likes to cook, Grandma, and she likes to spread the happiness through food, uh, using food as a method to spread joy, really, throughout the community. So she's really enjoyed uh, taking part in our project as well. And if anyone at home wants to make kalapon, you can search it up, K-E-L-E-P-O-N. Yeah, you could... So no, K-L-E-P-O-N doesn't have an E at the start. And yeah, you can search up the recipe and try it yourself. That sounds good. I I love cooking, so uh, I'll get onto that and have a bit of a go. Might not be as good as grandma's if we don't have the secret recipe, but we'll give it a go. Um, Now back to the awards when you were announced. Actually, let's go back even further. How did it feel to find out that you were nominated? Well, it was uh, quite a surprise to me, really. I didn't... I did not know that I'd been nominated, actually. Uh, so I was, yeah, really surprised. But also happy that people were really noticing the work that my sister and I have been doing over the past couple of years and sort of inspired me to keep working at it and even to improve in our own service, I guess, uh, what we do in terms of our selling our food because I look for better ways to reach out to people and also better ways to sort of speak so that my speaking would be better and people would be sort of more inclined to buy our food. And I think, yeah, I was really happy about it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Has becoming a finalist, being announced as a finalist, has it helped you in any way? I think it. the main thing is that it really helped me in terms of knowing how important being committed to helping other people is and the fact that it can have such a amazing impact on other people. I think that's really helped me to clarify that I, in my mind, that I want to become a doctor so that I can you know, help people and hopefully, I want to travel, hopefully, hopefully travel and be able to give give medical care to people who maybe aren't as fortunate as, as us in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's wonderful. Um, have you had to overcome any hurdles? Uh, apart from the story that I shared at the start of our first few outings into all the way back all those years ago uh, when I cried because we couldn't sell our, our food, I think 
we've also had the sort of hurdle of juggling our selling and our fundraising with everything that happens in life. Of course, my sister and I were really busy people. She does piano and violin and she also swims and I swim. I play badminton um, uni now, of course. We also had, what else were there actually? I play piano as well. Uh, and in addition to that, last year when we became finalists, actually, I was in year 12, of course, so I had lots of exams to study for. And I also had like tests uh, like the UCAT to get into medicine as well. And sometimes the timing wasn't exactly apt, I guess, but I, I, I knew in my heart, especially after having been nominated, that it was something that we should uh, go through. And I just changed my schedule a bit. And also I researched a bit into how to better manage my time. Uh, and that's, yeah, it's reap rewards really sticking, sticking to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yes, managing your time. It's so important, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I learned that definitely in year 12. We had so many exams and I was very busy, but I yeah, I did my best, I think. Yeah, I, I follow a, a great time management uh, lady called Kate Christie and uh, she believes in blocking your time so oh. that you do a, a block of work and filter out any sort of interruptions and then you go on to the next thing. And I found that really helpful. Wow. I've, yeah, I've never heard of uh, her actually, but mm. uh, some of the things I read, like self-help books, there were things yes. like not, not necessarily time management, but things like the charisma myth that helped me so that I could become more confident and hopefully have a better charisma, of course, when I was speaking to people on the forefront trying to sell food to them. Um, what else was there? Also, like Dale Carnegie's book. I forgot what it's called, but that was also quite helpful for me, I think. Yes, self-help books are very good. Yeah. Whilst we're on self-help books, do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners? Oh, wow. You live by. <laughs> don't really think I have any words of wisdom. I think I just, yeah, I go by and I see the wisdom of others and I try to incorporate it into what I do, I guess. I think be kind. It's a bit cliche, but be kind, I think, is a good one. And also, yeah, have have high standards. It's important that you have high standards for yourself, especially, so that you can keep being the best you that you can be. Mm, awesome. Now, I don't think there's anything else that we don't know about you that you haven't told us. But is there a little fun thing that you you do or something that you like that's really just particular to you? Me, it's purple. Oh. Yeah. So when people see me, they associate me with purple. Although I'm, for the listeners, I don't actually have any purple on at the moment, oh. but I have purple nails. Nails, yeah. I noticed <laughs> that straight away. <laughs> is there yeah. something that's a, a Peter? People go, oh, that's Peter. Uh, I don't really think there's anything like special. I guess I, I would hope that people would have a special, a bit of a special place in their heart for me. But I, yeah, I don't really, I've never really considered myself to have something that specifically belongs to me. I'd hope that we could share it with everyone if I have a passion it so that everyone can become involved in it. <laughs> well, I think you're very committed and you're very enthusiastic and I don't know that you get very much sleep. Oh, uh, I, I do get a lot, a lot of sleep. This morning, though, I had a morning training for swimming, so oh, yes. I did wake up pretty early, but oh, usually I try that? to get... Sorry? What time was that? Did you get up? 
4.20. Yeah, 4.20 a.m. And then I spent like 20 minutes warming up uh, and then going to the pool. The good thing is it's only five minutes away since it's really close in Nightcliff. And we, yeah, I swam and then we finished at like 6.30 or 6.45-ish. And then I've been doing my homework and studying, of course. It's very important studying before we had this interview. Yeah, no, awesome. Are you doing your swimming for just fitness or are you competing at club level? Well, in the past, I used to compete. But nowadays with uni, uh, well, since year 12, actually, I've only been swimming for fitness for the most part. I try my best, of course. I think it's if you're going to put time into something. Oh, this should have been my wise word, actually. (laughs) If you're going to put time into something, you should try your best in it and do your best in it. Wow. That, that was spontaneous actually. I only just thought about that. Ah, that's good. That's the best thing. So that's what I listen that's what our listeners like about the podcast, is it's you know, just little little snippets happen. Do you have any times when you feel like it all gets too much or you you feel a bit low? And if so, what is it you do to get yourself back on track? I think yeah, there's times where it feels uh, sort of hopeless sometimes, I guess. Especially during tough times like this, I know a lot of people have been affected by uh, coronavirus and myself, I had, the good thing is we weren't really affected much by coronavirus uh, in the NT, but like I had my own like study, I guess, uh, in terms of studying for year 12, there were difficulties with that for sure, where I felt quite down. But I think the main thing was that I first contacted some of my network. It's good to have a network of people that you can fall back on. Uh, and they, especially my family, who I always talk to, and I'm really open with them. And we talk about like how we can tackle whatever the issue was. Uh, and then we also try to do sort of an analysis, I guess, of what we should do to fix this. And they showed hope, I guess. They basically showed hope uh, when I felt that things were hopeless. And I think that's my sort of philosophy for dealing with disappointment mm. yes yeah friends and family I think we we forget how much we we need them and and we should you know rely on them and fall back on them because they they're always there for us aren't they yeah mm. yeah no we've got two awards programs that are run in the Northern Territory one's the Young Achievement Awards which of course you were involved in and then the other one is the Community Achievement Awards which is not age limited it's for for all people would you recommend our listeners to try to nominate someone in in the territory? Yeah, definitely. If you if you know someone that you would like to nominate or who's done a really good job in their community, I think you definitely should. And I'd recommend it to all of the listeners out there because I think it'll you may not know it, but you can have a really big impact on this person who's or this organization who's trying to improve the lives of other people. Yeah, it's so true. We hear it all the time that people were so honoured to be nominated and it's amazing for us in the office and our judges when we see like 300 nominations come in and you go, wow, like there are so many people doing so many great things and we just love to find them and, and hear their stories. Obviously have them on the podcast where we can, but the nominations through the awards is a great way of recognising people. Uh, And if I can let people know, you just go to awardsaustralia.com 
click on Community Achievement Awards. They're the ones that are coming opening in May. And you can refer someone. So you don't have to spend a long time. You can just give us their name and some contact details and then we'll get in contact with them and, and help them complete a nomination. So I encourage everyone to do that. Now, we're almost finished here. Oh, wow. Um, that was fast. Peter, it goes fast, doesn't it? Do you have a favourite memory of the awards in 2021? I think my favourite memory was probably, yeah, getting to meet the people who, the other people who were nominated. We actually sat, my dad and I, when we went to the awards ceremony, we sat at a table with two kids from Alice Springs uh, who are about my age, slightly older, uh, who had started a gardening sort of business and they helped the community uh, there as well. And it was interesting to see how on the two opposite poles of the Northern Territory, like both of us were all doing, we were all doing pretty similar things actually. And I thought that was really cool to see and it was a good sort of uh, feeling of companionship that I got from that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great when our finalists get to meet each other and uh, they really are a good night, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, well, we're just getting ready for the uh, Young Achiever Awards in Northern Territories in two weeks' time for the 2020 Awards. So uh, I'm based in Melbourne, but I'll be up there in the Territory and I always love visiting Darwin. Yeah, now, I think Darwin's a great place and <laughs> people don't like the weather usually, but actually I think the weather is... Perfect for me. You never get dry lips in Darwin. <laughs> now, where can people come and see you? Is it is it the Parat Markets that you're on at? The, which... Well, we actually just uh, go around on the Nightcliff foreshore. So from the jetty and then down from there. And we just, yeah, we just walk around on Sunday evenings Sunday afternoons and evenings usually we try to get there at around 5 30 uh, and start yeah start going around to people I always say to our customers that we're healthier and we're also faster than McDonald's and all the other fast food services and even maybe cheaper as well like in terms of value for money you've got it all down pat yeah <laughs> now and if anyone wanted to connect with you online just to you know Give you some good vibes. Are you on LinkedIn or Instagram? No, unfortunately or not. Nah. No, I <laughs> don't have a phone either. I don't own a phone actually, and that's uh, been I'm not gonna say consternation, but some people have always been concerned, especially my friends, because all of my friends have mobile phones and like all yeah. these iPhone 13 and like the Samsung Galaxy Pro. Uh, but I, yeah, I think it's a nicer life to live without being behind the screen all the time. And that's what I've told them. And I think I conveyed my sentiment pretty well. That, that's amazing. Good on you. I love the integrity. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. You're such an inspiration and a Good on you and good luck with your, your medicine degree. Uh, I know you'll study hard and it'll be great to hear from you in a couple of years to see see what you're doing with your degree. Yeah, thank you. Uh, before we finish, I actually wanted to add uh, a bit more about like what my sister and I have been doing in terms of the fundraising, if that's okay with you. Yeah, go for it. Yes. So to all the listeners out there from... I was going to add a big story to tell about how we started and everything. So, of course, we started selling our food and then we 
from watermelon juice, we sort of shifted to Indonesian food. And in the first like three years until 2017, my sister and I just gave the money to our parents and they just give it away to charity like Red Cross or what's the other one? The Shield one. Uh, Salvation Army, that's it. Yeah, so had a bit of a mind blank. They're probably tired from waking up too early. <laughs> yeah, so they'd give it to Red Cross or Salvos, uh, and my sister and I wouldn't really be involved apart from the selling. And the turning point was when we went to Indonesia, went back to like my mom's home city in like December, I think. So after we'd given the money to charity from that year. Uh, and I saw that there were all these uh, children who they weren't at school. Uh, they were just selling on the side of the roads, like on these busy congested roads. And they were weaving in and out of traffic, selling things like uh, prawn crackers, similar to what we sell actually. Uh, but they were looking quite like malnourished and they looked pretty, it was, they showed a great spirit, I think, but they also, you could see that they weren't in, a really good financial condition either and so I we were lucky of course we're from Australia and uh, so I was a bit bewildered by what exactly like had happened had happened I was thinking uh, to these kids and so I asked my mum why why aren't like why aren't they at school so my mum told me that it's likely that they their family is like in a bad financial condition and of course lots of people live under the poverty line in Indonesia uh, and because of that I knew that instead of donating like just donating the money to charity we should be more active I think I like the idea of being more active in terms of the kindness that we bring uh, so going from that I felt inspired and I said to my mom why don't we go to an orphanage in my mom's hometown one that we usually passed when we were on the way to like different places because it was in the middle of the city and so my parents said sure and they sort of set us up with the Indonesian version of the Salvation Army who ran that orphanage and so at the end of the next year after working hard to raise a lot of money uh, we were able to donate donate some of the money to the charity so to the like sort of organization but I think what was even nicer was the next time we were in Indonesia at the end of the next year, we bought all these chocolates, food, and some English books as well, So and toys for these kids in the orphanage, only like four or five years old. Uh, and we went there and we got to meet them. Uh, we were sort of welcomed by them and the people who manage the orphanage as well and we really got to see a more human side of the of poverty and also of how we can help our, our other people and I think that was a lot nicer than just like giving away the money to charity and not really being able to see the impact they can have on other people and especially because it was children they were so happy to finally have someone who would be there for like a couple of hours and to sort of interact with them because a lot of the time like people are too busy of course living their lives to sort of be there for these children mm. and and so we did that for that year and also in 2019 uh, and then of course oh and 2020 and then of course COVID hit uh, unfortunately so at the end of 2020 we decided that because we couldn't go to these children uh, we 
we're going to do something in Australia because we also wanted to, of course, help uh, people in uh, Australia as well. And of course, the major thing that had happened just then, that year in 2020, was apart from COVID, the bushfires in South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland even. Uh, and so because my sister and I were born in Adelaide and we lived there for a decent amount of our childhood, we decided that we wanted to help the people in Kangaroo Island specifically because they lost, well, they lost a lot of what they had, like resorts and a lot of the economy was really badly hit. And so uh, we decided we would donate to the men's shed in Kangaroo Island because we sent out sort of an appeal, I guess, to any charities that needed help. And so we got to personally, at the end of the year after donating our money, we got to personally meet, like online, of course, because of COVID, the people at the men's shed and what they were doing to help rebuild like one metal sheet at a time, their community. And I thought once again, getting to meet the humans behind who we were helping was a really heartening experience. Uh, and then I could go on and on about this, but I'll just <laughs> cut straight to the point. Uh, so at the end of 2021, we decided to give the money away to the Fred Hollows foundation because my sister wants to be an ophthalmologist uh, when she grows up so we thought it would be really nice and we also realized that because of covid over like the past year and a half or even almost two years basically there's been a huge lack of uh, health services for the eyes uh, and ophthalmology because people who do it in like less privileged countries from Australia and like uh, people from America or Canada or the UK, for example, they weren't able to go to these countries. So a lot of people would have missed out on healthcare that could have like preventative healthcare that really could have like saved their eyesight. So we wanted to, we wanted to help those people. And I think that's, that's the basis of, my sort of way of or my my own ideal of how we should contribute to our community which is really feeling the human connection between uh, ourselves and people who might be even on the other side of the globe <laughs> oh that, that's an amazing story excuse me listeners because i just had a little coughing attack <coughs> oh dear um it's just such an amazing story really um I just can't imagine how much time you're taking to do to do all that, and we thank you. So oh. thank you very much for being on the podcast and sharing your story. And, um, yeah, look forward to hearing more from you, Peter. Yeah, thank you, uh, Ms. Forsa. Hopefully I wasn't too boring to all the listeners out here. Uh, and, yeah, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to sort of put out my story and to let uh, what my sister and I are doing and my family and I are doing uh, be known to all the listeners as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for your time. Have a yeah. good day. Bye. You too. Enjoy yeah. your day. Well, I hope you enjoyed our chat with Peter. He was really interesting, wasn't he? Um, I cut him off a bit too uh, too short because I had a coughing fit. It's uh, not polite anymore to be coughing, is it? So it was. <laughs> he, he handled it very well, but uh, so sorry about that, folks. If you've enjoyed the podcast, I'd really love it if you would rate us and obviously subscribe, but a review would just be amazing. We've got five-star reviews and that's really cool, but we don't have 
as many as I'd like. And the more you give or the more reviews we have, then the easier it is for other people to find our podcast. It puts us up higher on the visibility ranks. So it would be a great service to us if you could do that. And if you don't know how, I've put a little how-to guide on our website. So you go to awardsaustralia.com forward slash podcast, and then there's a little how-to hyperlink there. Always, if you've got feedback, you can email me at annette at awardsaustralia.com. And otherwise, have a brilliant day, and thank you for listening. Bye.